1: You will learn that name. You will remember it.
0: And now... The stud is here. All right, studcast fans, here we go. It's David Summers hosting another studcast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America, as told by the stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. Now we step back into the ring and back into time with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. What's going on, my man, Ron?
1: Oh, geez, man, good, uh, just, uh, good weather, beautiful day, uh, got past, uh, Labor Day, and I guess, uh, you know, uh, uh, weather usually starts to really get nice here this time of year, um, uh, could uh, rice cool nights, and, uh, maybe days in the low 80s, high 70s, so, uh, looking forward to that, and, uh, uh to stay that way till probably around Thanksgiving or so, as I remember, it used to be that way anyway.
0: So. <laughs> hey, that's cool. and I want to mention this. We were talking about this a few minutes ago. you stay you really stay busy. You stay busy with the studcast and all of your social media and everything else that's going on, but you're going to the gym like four days a week. So you're really staying busy,
1: yeah, you know i, I I've uh that was kind of always my uh, plan and uh, that I used to pretty well be able to stick to it four days a week, but I'd gotten out of it. I got so busy that I couldn't get there four days a week and I kind of got back into that, that, uh, that, uh, pattern again, man. And, uh, I love that being able to get in there four days a week is, uh, it's a nice thing. Uh, probably like to do even more if I, if I could actually, uh, <laughs> Hey, listen, I guess, I guess it's a habit, right, man? And, and I know you've been going to the gym for quite a while now, too.
0: A little bit. Hey, listen, I know that you you were never raised to, you're not one to sit on the couch much, right?
1: Oh, no, man. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't have opportunity. I might do it every, every once in a while if yeah. I could. But, uh, you know, this seems like I got plenty to do something going all the time. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm uh, probably working as hard now as I ever have. Uh, wow. many hours anyway as i ever have so uh it's a but it's not a grind it's something i really kind of enjoy man uh and i, I love doing these stud caps. uh and uh, it's it's a real pleasure for me wow when i sit down and i start pulling up all the records and, and my my stuff from tvs yeah and, and uh and start looking at the cards and it just wow it just all comes back it's pretty amazing and uh so this one today, Dave, got to be honest with you, this one is, wow. This, this one it was a week in which my brother and I uh, came up with something that had never been done. Hey, Still never been done. All right. It's been done since. Okay. Well, we did it a few times afterward. but uh, So uh, this one's going to be, I think fans are going to find this pretty, pretty fascinating.
0: All right. Well, let's start off with a question. I noticed the description for this one on this studcast is about something that you mentioned that we might be talking about next week instead of this week. So are we doing the big one this week? Since this studcast is called making wrestling history, 1978.
1: Yep, that's, that's exactly right. Dave, we are, we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit. We're going to be riding into one of the most, uh, like I just mentioned, one of the most creative events. Not only in Southeastern history, but in all of wrestling's history, I believe. <laughs> and uh, there's two reasons I decided that I wanted to jump a week ahead. The first reason is uh, we've been in sync, man, for a long time here. Each one of these weekly studcasts, uh, we discuss a different show, obviously. Uh, and Now it's in two different territories. But we've been steadily reviewing cards that happened in the same week 44 years ago from this date. Uh, the date mm-hmm. that we're usually uh talking about mm-hmm. and uh, we lost that streak because we got that uh, stud cast special when we did episode number 260 we had that uh, celebration for the fifth year of the stud cast and that kind of jumped lost us a week and uh, we've been a week behind so uh so I've been wanting to get back in sync uh, it's kind of part of the reason we moved ahead one week in the stud cast but the second one is, 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 you know, and I really enjoy these shows. And honestly, I really can't wait any longer to, to get to this groundbreaking, first ever interactive two nights in a row, 20 man mink coat world <laughs> championship tournament. And it took place 44 years ago this week. Wow. So it's a, it was the biggest tournament, obviously, in, in the history of either Southeastern territory. <laughs> uh, it happened in Knoxville for the first and only the time that we ever did one of these, and I don't know that any territory had to get themselves in a situation to do one of these, but we had to wrestle two nights in a row on event on Thursday, August the 31st and Friday, September 1st, the next day in 1978 in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we had a tournament, uh, you know, uh, Harley race was coming to town anyway, three weeks later on September 22nd. So, uh, So we had this big tournament, man, and the wrestler that won the tournament was going to receive the shot at the NWA champion Harley Race three weeks later on Friday night, September 22nd in the Coliseum. Uh, Then we talk about, let's talk about the the interactive part of this event. Uh, This event had two winners, basically. Uh, The first winner, obviously, is the guy that wins the tournament is going to get the match with Harley Race. The second winner happens to be somebody that's sitting in the crowd. And uh, for the first time ever in the sport, uh, (laughs) and I I don't believe this has ever been done anywhere else in wrestling, Mm -hmm. uh, a lady fan going to be selected from the crowd, was going to win a $5,000 mink coat, and uh, it was going to depend on who she selected to win the tournament. And that mink (laughs) coat was worth, in today's money, I looked it up, $22,720 today.
0: (laughs) Are you kidding? <laughs> it's
1: crazy, right? I mean, wow, <laughs> unbelievable! You know, well, it's unbelievable how our money is worth. <laughs> a lot, right? When you less than it was back in the old days. Yeah,
0: and when you but, say that you've this is you've never heard anything like this. I don't because it's never been done because it had never happened. I don't think it's ever happened an yeah. event like this in wrestling, especially. So two nights in a row, twenty man tournament. The winner gets a shot at the world champion Hurley race. Who's going to be in town within like three weeks or so. And a lady in the crowd wins a mink coat worth 22,720 bucks in today's money. So I don't know where to start with this one, Ryan. I'm telling you, this, uh, <laughs> it definitely does not sound like it's going to be an ordinary stud cast. So, so where do we ride today and how do you get this thing started?
1: Well, we're not going South today, Dave at all. I I mean, uh, can't do uh, anything but this one event. It's, and this two-day event uh, may take us at least the entire stud cast, and, and I'm pretty sure it will. And it was so groundbreaking in, in its creativity and, and it had so many facets to it. It's going to take some time to explain it properly. So basically, it was a, what was happening is we were giving a female fan a tremendous prize, a mink coat, based upon her selection of the winning wrestler Uh, in the tournament, and at the same time, he had to select her in a 19-match, two-night event to see who was going to meet the NWA world champion three weeks later. There'd never been an event like it, and it it was absolutely unheard of in the sport. So we're going to obviously take a deep dive into the TV that was promoted this event, and then the last TV show that would be seen in Knoxville uh, for two weeks. So, So We had a problem here that uh, brought all this about. So we're going to break down the event uh, one night at a time, uh, beginning with the results from night one on Thursday, August the 31st, 1978. And then we're going to finish with the second night and the crowning of the winner and the next Southeastern Challenger for Harley Race. And we'll also announce, obviously, the winning lady. So we're going to discuss the biggest back-to-back Knoxville crowds in Southeastern history. Uh, then we're going to add in the Thursday and Friday night crowds from south, from southeast. I think what I want to do, too, is uh, I just want to I'm going to touch on what's happening down there in southeastern Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take these two back to back nights, Thursday and Friday, August 31st and, and uh, September the 1st, 1978, and then throw in the two crowds that we were having down south on in uh, in the Gulf Coast territory and then uh, I'll give people a grand total. And I think fans a lot. have had a lot of people say, we love it when you give us the totals. How many total mm-hmm. people? How much was the house? What's the gross? And that type of thing. Yeah. So then we're going to add the entire, I'm going to go ahead and bump that on up, but I'm going to add the entire weeks in both territories together for both of the territories, not just the, the number of fans, but the gross figure the amount of money that was taken in because it's basically the last week of the summer of 1978. So, and if we have enough time after all that, uh, we're going to do another learning tree question too, Dave.
0: (laughs) I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. (laughs) (laughs) You better be. (laughs) All right. All right. This is quite It's going to be quite the stud cast. So where in the world do you guys get the idea For all of this, uh, this, this interactive deal. And I'm curious, were you, were you looking to increase female numbers as far as TV watchers or females that attended wrestling events? I, I mean,
1: what about that? Well, well, this one, man, it really came out of necessity of all things. We had a major problem, man, that we had never encountered before since I'd run a wrestling uh, company. Mm-hmm. Our Knoxville TV station WBR, uh, that's where we've been airing and producing our TV show for more than 3 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, up and informed us that something big had come up and they weren't going to be able to air our show for two Saturdays in a row.
0: Wow. Wow. So
1: that and that so that meant on Saturday, September 2nd and on Saturday, September 9th of 1978, we weren't going to have any wrestling show on TV. So, and it was the beginning of the fall season, bad time of the year. Uh, kids were going back to school. Business was kind of dropping automatically in every rest of ter- territory around the country. And uh, this was kind of a critical situation for us in Southeastern.
0: Wow. Okay. So how far in advance did they let you know about this? What, what was this, football? What was, what was taking over your Saturdays?
1: Well, that was, that was a part of it. On one Saturday, uh, the University of Tennessee was playing on TV, and there was going to be a national game, and they, they were going to be sitting in our time slot. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> and then the second one, I don't really remember what the second one was, hmm. but uh, only two weeks before. We got a notification two weeks before the <laughs> hey, Sorry, but, uh, you know, we just got <laughs> notified by CBS that we're going to have to take your Saturday of September 2nd september 2nd and we're going to have to take uh, also september 9th wow you no know, so uh to, and then to make matters worse for, for the first time we were drawn well enough at this point to run in the coliseum against the fair you wow. know every year the, when the fair comes to town we have to move out of the coliseum we mm-hmm. have to we have to move out of the park because the fair takes place in the park and we have to go to the little baseball stadium this time we had all these dates lined up in the Coliseum. We mm-hmm. were going to just go on and fight the fair, basically. <laughs> yeah. Because we had grown <laughs> to be big enough that, you know, people were going to come to see us anyway, even though the fair was in town. Mm-hmm. So we had already booked every Friday night in the Coliseum from September, uh, from, you know, the, where we are at this point, uh, from August to uh, Actually, September first, and we had to add a date to September first. But from September first straight through to September the twenty second, when Harley Race came to wrestle and defend his title, uh, we had all those dates booked.
0: Wow! All right, so wow, no TV for two weeks straight. All right, did you have did did you have to give up Coliseum events, or did the problem also include not being able to produce your TV show? That would have meant no TV in your other areas of Tennessee and Kentucky as well, because it kind of, that was offshoots. Everybody got a TV show, right?
1: Yeah. We produced a show in Knoxville. We can't produce the show in Knoxville. We can't uh, send shows to yeah. any other of the stations that are airing our product. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was going to be a massive problem. And so, uh, and that's a great question, and, and I bet you're going to have a lot more questions in this one, day before it's over. I mean, uh, there's a lot going on in this in this show. <laughs> Not me. So, so, yeah, we had to give up Coliseum events. So, without a TV show to promote the event, and the once-a-year Tennessee Fair also being in town during that time period for 10 days, we had to drop Coliseum event entirely. So, uh, we gave up uh, Friday night, September the 15th of 1978. And that was one week before Harley got there. So, you know, we would have had no TV to advertise it. We got the fair competing with the fair. I mean, uh, we would have probably had nobody there. So we had to drop that one because uh, everything, like I said, everything I mentioned was going against us that night. But thankfully, we didn't lose the TV production for those two Saturdays. Uh, WBIR-TV in Knoxville, uh, was a CBS uh, National Network affiliate at that time. And uh, the station in Johnson City, the station in Hazard, Kentucky, and we had a brand-new station we had just gone on in Crossville, Tennessee. They they were not affiliated with CBS Network. So we weren't going to lose our programming there. So then luckily, too, WBIR was able to produce both of these TVs, on their regular Saturdays, just like they had always done for us, only the Knoxville fans would be the, missing their two shows. Wow. They wouldn't see these two shows. But WBR was going to go ahead and uh, and produce them for us. You know, it's kind of like further proof of WBR's appreciation for the audience, man, that we had built. You know? <laughs> wow. And uh, for those 80 shares in that rating book, man. And uh, so they didn't charge us a cent for for the use of their studio or their entire production crew to make those two TV shows.
0: Wow. That's, I mean, that that's what they would have been doing anyway. So, wow. Obviously that 80 share you were getting in viewing audience meant a tremendous amount to them since they didn't charge you for producing two shows, two shows that they could not have even shown to their audience uh, at all. So that, I mean, to me, that's earning some real benefits from a TV station. For those that don't know what an eighty share of a TV audience means, uh, that's that's huge. Tell us about that eighty share.
1: Well, you know, it's fairly, it's kind of complicated in a way. It sounds complicated, an eighty share, but it means that at two o'clock on Saturday afternoons, that time of year, all year round, basically, we end up with this big huge 80 share sometimes we'd hit an 85 in some books Mm -hmm. but uh it meant that four out of five tvs that were on were watching us yeah (laughs) and uh you know and then and and to add to that uh the audience for every everybody all the stations across the board jumped when we went on the air yeah because uh, you know they were Saturday morning kids shows, and then uh, you know that people were waiting for two o'clock when wrestling came on, and uh, all of a sudden the the audience exploded for everybody. Even the other station's audience went up too because they they had they said some overflow. But four out of five people were basically watching our program, and uh, that's a big number, Dave. Wow. Oh, uh, well, yeah, well yeah. you know you're in that business. It's a it's into yeah. now's in today's <laughs> television uh, market and the way things, TV work now, no one will ever get close to that number.
0: Oh, no. And and you're talking an 80 share in a market the size of Knoxville. Even in 1978, Knoxville had to be at least a quarter million, 200, 200 to 250, maybe more, thousand people. So that's four out of five out of those 250,000 potential TVs in the market. So that's a tremendous number. And that's if you bought advertising on that station, that's why they loved you so much. Uh, that's uh, if the car dealers were buying on, that's, that's why they loved wrestling. Because you, you
1: get, well, you've got, the, you, you, you've got the whole scenario, Dave, you've been in that industry. And, uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, we went on there in 1975 mm-hmm. and, uh, they were selling. Uh, they were selling their normal spots for fifty dollars. Yeah. And uh, and uh, then later on, uh, by the end, uh, by the time we we're talking about this time frame in nineteen seventy eight, mm-hmm. uh, our fifty dollars spots had gone to three hundred.
0: Yeah. Wow. And, and that's a thirty second. That's a thirty second TV commercial that can go. Thirty by. second TV yeah. commercial. Yeah. Three
1: hundred dollars. And the closest figure to that. Yeah. On a Saturday was not until primetime Saturday night and uh, nobody else was getting a hundred and we were getting 300 Yeah, and we had them waiting in line to get on. They (laughs) couldn't get on there. Yeah. know. Wow. So we were really kicking butt and the station stepped up and they said, Hey, look, we'll go ahead and produce these two shows for you. Even though our fans will never get to see them. Our audience will never get to see those shows. Yeah. And
0: they would so, have been doing that anyway, whether or not the network was uh, interrupted, it, it, the the uh, the programming with football and whatever else they had. So, so the, part of it, you had to make a cancellation of a Coliseum date and lost two weeks of upcoming TV shows in your major market. So, how did the idea for a totally unique event take place? Was this all about? We really got to get their attention. And the the ladies in the households rule the remote control. I mean, I don't know. Was there a remote, remote control in 1978?
1: Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know where I'm Probably going really with those. Too much, man. And I yeah. don't remember uh, that. That that maybe some TVs had that. Uh, well, you know, all this all this day, you know, the old saying, man. When the when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So, you know, and me and Rob just sat down and said, you know, well, we can either just, you know, fall apart here and say, Oh, let's just go ahead and not run and let's not do this and let's not do that. Mm -hmm. Or we can do something crazy. So we put on the Booker hats, man. And we came up with all these ideas for the match for matches, you know, at a huge tournament, bigger than any tournament that ever been. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we could, uh, you know, we just decided we're going to make up for this uh, or or, we're not going to let this become an absolute catastrophe for Southeastern Knoxville. So we decided to hold a huge winner gets Harley race tournament uh, that is so big is going to take two nights to complete it. You know, and uh, we were looking to find Harley's opponent for September 22nd. And at the same time, we're going to pick up a night to replace that Friday night that we had to give up because we didn't have any TV. We sat down and said, let's do something that takes two nights and let us add a night because we got TV for this, uh, September 1st show. Let's add August the 31st and let's have back to back wrestling matches in the Coliseum, mm. uh, two nights in a row. Mm. Never been done before. Yeah. So we accomplished that by starting this huge tournament on a Thursday night, August the thirty first, which was perfect since the tournament was going to last two nights. It was going to finish then the next night on Friday, September first. And then we decided, you know, to not let's don't just stop at this tournament, you know, to find an opponent. Uh, we, we we got to talking and said, well, let's figure out something that's never been done. We need we want a way to get fans more involved than usual. Why don't we figure out a way to get fans really involved in this in some way that had never been done before? It's something that gives them a reason to come more than just the matches. So with that in mind, we focused on the women and rather than the men. And, uh, you know, the men are going to come anyway. They loved the wrestling, and they were going to come just for the matches. But we figured that if we could get women to come, then – the women are going to come. They're going to bring the kids. We're going to get the kids. And then everybody in the family is going to be happy. You've got the kids that are there. They like it. The woman's going to love this one. And the men are, too. So including the two of us uh, as bookers and promoters, we loved it, too. You know, it's like an Iowa. Gosh, this is a win-win, man. So we needed something big to offer the ladies. Something most every lady dreamed of, man, and would want in her closet, a mink coat. Wow,
0: because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) All
0: right. So you guys were already way ahead of most bookers and promoters. But when you decided to give away a mint coat to one lucky lady in the crowd, you went to where no one had ever been before. So how how would the winning lady get picked? How did that work?
1: Well, you know, we had to piece all this together, you know, I mean, uh, obviously that's the first thought. Well, how, do, how are we going to do this, you know? So we both thought uh, uh, that that part of it had to be uh, somehow associated also with the wrestler in the tournament. Couldn't just pick a lady and, uh, you know, so we wanted to figure out. Uh, so when that thought occurred to us, we really moved into something totally new then that had never been considered in the sport. We we were about to create an interactive event in which the fans and the athletes were going to both be dependent upon each other. is mm-hmm. going to be kind of dependent upon the fan and the fan is definitely dependent upon the wrestler they pick. <laughs> so the ideas then just started to crank out. It's like one of those times where you sit down And when you're a booker it's like that you get your mindset is like that you start thinking and all of a sudden bang 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 one idea turns into two and two turns into four and all of a sudden you're like wow i I went from a crowd i didn't know what i'm going to book and i'm going to sell out you know so uh so the ideas just started coming quickly so the so we decided that the winning lady would have to pick the winner of the tournament somehow the winning wrestler uh, and that the winning wrestler also had to pick her somehow.
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. So that I mean, it's really cool how it begins to snowball when you start brainstorming like that, and you got the the right person or the right partner. In your case, your brother to to put it all together. So, all right. How do both the lady, the winner of the mink, and the winner of the tournament, how do they pick each other? How'd that work?
1: Well, there had to be obviously a way for the women. And, uh, and all the women, we were going to give this thing uh, the to, to, to anybody 18 years or older, uh, any woman. And uh, obviously the woman had to pick the wrestler that they thought was going to win. That was the start of it. And then we finally decided that the ladies attending, uh, maybe we should put these big boxes in the lobby of the, uh, the Coliseum, which was a huge building and a huge lobby. Put a box with the wrestler's name on it and, uh, and then where each of the ladies when they came to the matches they could go to the box that they wanted to there were these forms there they'd fill out the forms the lady would put her name and her address on it and place the entry form into the box with the the wrestler's box that she thought was going to win the tournament hmm. so there was 20 big boxes one for each wrestler in the tournament placed in the huge lobby of the coliseum
0: all right i mean that makes sense so But how was the wrestler going to pick the lady's name? How'd that work?
1: Okay. So this is where the event became really interactive. So when the bell rang to start the matches, all the boxes from the lobby up there were brought and placed in the middle of the ring. Mm -hmm. And then every wrestler in the tournament, all 20 of them came down to ringside, they surrounded the ring, standing on the outside of it. And for the first time ever. For a southeastern match, an entire front row of the ring side was empty. Three three rows on the ring side, uh, all three sides of the ring were full of fans as usual. Mm-hmm. But there's an entire row that's empty. So the announcer invited one wrestler at a time to come up into the ring, and pick a name from his box, and and then come down uh, in the front and uh, at the first row there and give the announcer, the name that he had selected from his box. Then the announcer announced the name of the lady selected by that wrestler from his box, and then he asked her to let the, let her everyone in the column to see him know where she was. And the place would just, it got, got totally silent when people figured out what, what they, they've called this woman out. And then this <laughs> lady would scream somewhere <laughs> in the building, right? <laughs> Right. And, yeah. and I noticed there's an yeah. interactive event. This is yeah. I mean, this is crazy what happens here, man. So then uh, usually then uh, uh, she would scream and then almost all of them would scream as soon as her name was called anyway. Right. right. He's got a chance to win this main coat. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so when the lady would scream as this went on, the building would pop every time he announced a new one and they, it would pop. So then the announcer would ask her to come to ringside. And this was a beautiful part of it man the way the ladies reacted to what was 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 happening to them man yeah and some of them w- would be in the top of the building and then you'd hear them screaming all the way and they'd disappear in the certain uh, you know uh, corridors and alleyways yeah. and stairs to get down to the next level and they wouldn't stop screaming they were just <laughs> crazy though and the fans were just really into it man yeah. it was like crape man each one of them 20 times this happened and to me, when I saw this happening and I was involved in this tournament, I'd come from out of uh, down there in the south and uh, southeastern Gulf Coast, uh, Eddie Mansfield through. It came up uh, and uh, we were in this tournament. And, uh, you know, so to me, I, I saw this right then as a huge success, man, about. I didn't expect this to happen, right? <laughs> you know, you didn't, you, you, uh, we, did, we didn't know what to expect, my brother and I, but, uh, wow, this was great. This was a great part of it. So while each of them were on the way down then, the name of the wrestler she had picked uh, had been already pieced together on the banner that uh, she was gone. Once she got there, the wrestler that she had picked took the banner and he slipped it over her head and it gave his name across her, her body front of her body that's the man she had chosen and then uh, she would place the banner he would place the banner around her neck and uh, and some of the baby faces when they put the banner around the, the lady's neck they would kiss her mm-hmm. on the cheek and you know and then each lady man they'd have a seat in the front row and uh, and her wrestler then would go back to the dressing room well this went on, Twenty times. Each lady made her way down. Then the banner was placed on her, and uh, and the building was buzzing. Man, they hadn't even had a match yet, but the building was enjoying it. They were loving this, just seeing these women going crazy over this coat.
0: Was this a was it a sash like a beauty con- pageant contestant would yeah. wear? Kind of.
1: Yeah, there you go. Okay, all right. Just like a yeah. beauty pageant contestant, instead of their name on it, it's yeah. the name of the wrestler that gotcha. they show
0: you. All right, I got to ask. All right, so what about the heels? The interaction with the ladies? Yeah. Did they? Did they? How did? How did they interact? Were they trying to keep their heat? Were they standoffish? What was that like between really, them? Did
1: they put their banner over? The yeah, leaves? yeah. Did they, uh, well, yeah, they want to get, man. did they
0: want to get up close to the smelly list of uh, <laughs> y- y- fans? I don't know. Uh,
1: that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. that. You know, and, and if, if any of the heels didn't want to put the banner on them and some of them didn't, you know, they wanted to keep their heat, man. You know, mm-hmm. uh, now, uh, we had one, <laughs> who was the manager anyway. Right. Yeah. The, the, two yeah. of the guys in the tournament. And we had Ron Wright. That was his job. If the heel didn't want to do it, Ron Wright would put the banner me. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: and Ron Wright was a yeah. former babyface anyway. Ron Wright was a—he was an integral part of southeastern. I mean, mm. you know, he mm. was—he was wrestling in that part of the country. So yeah. he was kind of half babyface, half heel anyway. Perfect guy. Yeah. So the heel didn't want to put the thing on him. Then Ron Wright would put the banner on him, and uh, and uh, he would try, and he'd try to kiss a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they would kick <laughs> him back, right? <laughs> 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 uh, that was, and there again, this is interactive. I mean, yeah. everybody, <laughs> there's no wrestling going on, and everybody in that building's having a great time. Uh,
0: uh, and Ron, wait, Ron Wright's is trying to kiss him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you try, if it were pretty, you okay. try to kiss them. Yeah. You well, like, oh, see, geez, so you had to know Ron Wright to understand his, his Yeah. And one of
0: those, though. if it happened, those, that person would remember that that Ron Wright tried to kiss me.
1: They talked yeah. about that for the rest of their lives. <laughs> wow. oh, boy, you, so yeah. So then the next part of the opening took over. So we had a beautiful lady, man, from the business that provided the mink to us, uh, And we had her placed in the back of the building that had that big old black curtain that I talk about all the time in the back of the Coliseum that, uh, you know, wrestlers came in and out of. Well, she's standing on this cart, man, in the back of the Coliseum wearing the mink coat. Now, they haven't seen the coat yet, right, these women. And so uh, then uh, so the building, man, went dark and then the cart started slowly toward the ring, man. Uh, We put two spotlights on this lady with the mink on it every woman in the building stood up not just those women that had been selected they Mm. all stood up Mm it's like wow look at me and it was beautiful it was a full length mate all the way to her feet and the ladies are sitting on the first row they were the first ones on their feet (laughs) They, they were it was like a magical moment for the women in the building it was a truly magical moment and we hadn't rob and i we had not seen this happening you know and then in the men in the building they were into it as well man at that point uh, you know the women were and they were loving watch the reactions of all these women over a mink coat right the place was on fire and where the bell hadn't rung yet, mm-hmm. right it was crazy wow so, lady. So then, the lady with the mink. Uh, you know, they she drove her right down the ringside, and she got off the cart, and then she walked down the entire row of those twenty women, mm-hmm. and that had been picked, and she let them rub the mink and feel of it, and oh, they were just, oh, they were just all of them as, and again, the building was buzzing, man, watching these women, and as they went crazy over the coat. And then the lady with the coat got back on the cart and, uh, they carted her back and she disappeared through the black curtain at the back of the Coliseum and the bell rang for the first match. And when the bell rang, the building exploded again. Man, I mean, it's like, wow, they, we're, we're ready. And they were ready. Literally all those women sitting on that first row. And, uh, it was, it was, it was going way better than Robin and I anticipated it could ever go.
0: Oh my God. You had the fever of a freaking game show. I mean, you.
1: (laughs) Well, Scott, I have to go away, but
0: yeah, yeah. Here's here's Carol Merrill. Well, nobody remembers that name, but here here's the lady in the mink coat perusing around the 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 Coliseum, and uh, and the ladies who have a chance to win the, the thing, dude. That's yeah, that's pretty awesome. So always think of how you always say presentation is everything. I don't know so I don't know how you could have done any better for this event that's man that's an incredible opening for a night of interaction r- literal interaction with the fans I've never heard of anything like this but I can s- I perfectly picture this thing I'd really have loved to seen like just the opening of the event that's really cool
1: yeah so you know it, it kept it kept going on the front row man uh, these women you know they were sitting there and uh, everybody's intention was focused on it. You know, uh, and it got even better right before the first match started because the first two guys came down to the ring. And when they got ready to wrestle, the first two ladies that had their names, those two wrestlers names on, you know, that were representing the two wrestlers in the match, they moved every one of the women. They separated the rest of the women down towards the end of the row and they put the two ladies that their wrestlers are wrestling against each other side by side so that they can be watched by the crowd during their match. (laughs) And uh, and I think family fans were sometimes watching them more than the match because those two ladies were, they're into that match. They got a lot at stake here. They got a meat coat at stake, basically. You know, and so uh, those ladies' reactions were just, it is just fantastic. So I was almost beginning to worry about the match is going to be as good as what's going on over there in the first <laughs> row, <you know? laughs> Right, so, right. So, you know, and then when the ladies' wrestler lost, then she returned to her original seat.
0: Yeah. Hey, but and that's one thing you didn't even mention, but all 20, 20 ladies got upgraded seating to front row. That's another yeah. thing. Even if they didn't win – they were like, "Oh, I was up close." I mean, listen to me, I mean that's that's pretty cool, and that that meant a lot to a coliseum full of people like that. So anyway, all right, hey, we're getting close to break time, but before we do that, tell us about who was in the tournament. Set it up with like uh, you, you you're talking twenty wrestlers here.
1: Yeah. I mean, talking to big tournament, two-nighter, and uh, you know, we never had a two-nighter tournament in which you had, so you got twenty wrestlers, you got ten matches in that first night, so uh, and uh, so and the, the one of the first matches that was was on the card was Les Thatcher, who was putting on the tights himself to wrestle against Gorgeous George Jr. Wow. He wanted to get, you know. He said, "I, I want to end this. I want to do, I want to be a part of this." You wow! Know? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, opened up with Les Thatcher against uh, Gorgeous George Jr. Uh, then Rip Smith wrestled against Rick Connors. Uh, Kevin Sullivan wrestled against the Australian Bill Dundee. Uh, Ron Slinker against Dennis Condry. Bob Roop took on Jimmy Golan, and they were already having problems. Because of what Bob Ruper just done recently to Jimmy's daddy, so uh, there's a there's an event there that fans are all into. Phil Hickerson, managed by Ron Wright, he wrestled Roy Lee Welch's brother, Jack Welch, who hadn't wrestled in Knoxville in uh, in, in four years. Uh, Joe Laduke came in from Canada, wrestled against Eddie Mansfield. Uh, Rob wrestled the Masked Jaw Jack, uh, which is. Don Carson with a mask on that Rob had run out of town just three weeks earlier. I think uh, Ronnie Garvin wrestled the great Malinka, his, his rival. And, and I wrestled the Mongolian stomper in the first round with gorgeous Georgia managing him.
0: Wow. Along with everything else that was going on, that was a really great card. So that's a tremendous, I mean, that's a tremendous setup. And this has been a tremendous studcast so far. All right, so, hey, let's do our break right here, and when we come back, we're going to find out what you guys did on that TV show just five days before this spectacular event. That is going to be coming up when we come back on this studcast right here. Hey, StudCast fans, Ron wants to thank all of his StudCast listeners for their tremendous support for more than five years and 266 episodes of his family's wrestling history. He's never missed a week in all of those years, and his stories have never missed being extraordinary. He's extremely honored to have such loyal fans and to be able to pass along the history of the oldest and largest wrestling family on the planet. Every one of you are the reason for his StudCast. Thank you, one and all. All right, welcome back in another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's David Summers. All right, so, Ron, you and Robert had taken a potential catastrophe for the southeastern Knoxville territory and pieced together a whole lot more than just a great card to begin the fall of 1978. You, you created, I mean, literally, you just built a first in the sport, a two-night in a row tournament with an interactive element built in that had never been done before. So how did you design the TV show to properly advertise what was going to be happening five, five nights later, the whole setup for this thing?
1: Right. Well, so, uh, so for a change, you know, uh, I'm not going to focus on the, on describing the matches as much as I usually do, uh, in each one of these stud casts. Uh, the card, as I said, was a two-night card. It had 20 men in it. That mean it was going to be 19 tournament matches, uh, and the winner is going to get the shot at the NWA world title against Harley, Wake, Harley Race three weeks later. So uh, so we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't have to sell that to the fans. My, that's enough. It's a two-night, 20-man tournament. Uh, winner gets the shot at Harley. Uh, so what we had to sell was something that had never been done before, we, what we were going to do for the first time ever was offer fans, especially the ladies, an opportunity to be an actual part of the wrestling event, to pick the winner of the tournament and win a prize worth $22,722 <laughs> in today's money.
0: <laughs> All right. You normally open the TV show with some kind of still shot of a match from the night before. So how did, what did you do in that? How did you get started?
1: All right. So, uh, Well, we absolutely didn't start with a a match on that steel frame behind. So after this TV show aired on a Saturday, August the 26th, 1978, we were not going to have another TV show in Knoxville Market until September the 16th, almost three weeks away before we have another TV. So, you know, Rob and I talked about it. We got to consider what do we really got to push here? There's a lot of stuff we needed to talk about, so uh, that uh, September the 16th TV show was only six days prior to the NWA World Championship match between Harley and the wrestler that won the tournament that hadn't even started yet. If it's not going to start the five days after this TV show, so I don't think I ever heard of any territory quite with a situation like we had there, man. So haven't we had we were going to have to lose two of the n- next three tv shows right before an upcoming world title event you couldn't have a worse case scenario than that so in my opinion uh there was only one thing that was going to save us and that was a mint coat man (laughs) and that was what the steel shot behind Les was when we opened the show Uh, and it was the same lady that modeled it on the first night of the tournament so we weren't going to sell wrestling in this tv show like all the other tv shows we're going to focus on selling tickets to ladies the following Thursday and Friday night. We were hoping to get all of our regular lady fans and women. And, uh, and then a lot of them that had never been to a match, you know, hopefully they were going to decide, I want to go down there. I want to take a shot at this, this main coat. And uh, I want you to go with me. And and maybe the husband and the boyfriend, they didn't even like wrestling may never been, but she's going to drag them down to the building. Right. So we're going to be able to pick up that potential audience. So our commitment to this couldn't have been more clear, man, when Les opened the show uh, with two men, two women sitting at the set with him uh, that he had gone and handpicked from the studio audience right before the show started. And he didn't tell them why he was bringing them to the set. But he asked him, would you like to come and start the show with me? So that's the way we opened the show. So behind them, the set was on that blue chroma key side. That set had three sides to it. And the chroma key side was just a plain blue background. So it looked like to the ladies when they sat down, they're just sitting down there in the blue background behind them. But when the show began, the huge still shot uh, that came up on the back of that, that set uh, was the lady in, with the mink coat. Uh, that was projected on the chroma key uh, background for all of them to see. There's a the ladies wearing this big, beautiful, long mink coat right there. That was what the background shot was, rather than a wrestler in, a, in blood or whatever else. you know. And uh, Robert told me later that he could see both the ladies' mouths fly open because they didn't know what was behind them until the TV show started and they threw the slide up behind them. And uh, so Les said it drew everybody's attention to that huge shot behind them. And uh, so then Les explained the significance of what this is all about. Uh, the upcoming two night NWA World Championship event, he said, uh, every lady in attendance was going to get the opportunity to select a wrestler of her choice to represent her. And the lady who picked the winner of the tournament, was going to win this beautiful full-length mink coat on this lady behind us here, right? And uh, and then for real impact, we actually had the lady there, but we didn't bring her out until right then. And mm-hmm. then the lady comes out. She's wearing the mink coat. And then Les turns to his two ladies that he picked out of the crowd, the studio audience, and he mm-hmm. says, ladies, does this interest y'all at all? <laughs> <laughs> Oh Wow, wow. <laughs> you can imagine those two girls with this, with nuts, like, oh, you, my goodness, uh, you, you, we could win this. I mean, uh, so Les has a little, it's a totally different opening than we yeah. ever had on a wrestling show before. And it really sold the women out there. And uh, that's what we were, that's what our focus was on.
0: That's cool. But I, I bet that's not the last time the mink was seen on the show.
1: <laughs> no. No, <laughs> no it certainly wouldn't. <laughs> no, so definitely not. Uh we even not we went much much further than that, Dave. We, we even changed the regular bumpers uh that were on the show. And those regular bumpers was about six seconds long mm-hmm. and it had that Greek statue of the two guys in a wrestling position yeah. who was set on a pedestal and it went round and round slowly with the music and everything. Right. When the when the bumpers came on this week. It was the lady with the mink coat going round and round. <laughs> <in the bumpers. laughs> so we we hammered it there to begin with. And then for this one show, man, uh, you know, it was it was a great shot. <laughs> and we, we used eight bumpers in that show. So that we just really jammed this down the people's throats, man. <laughs> and, the, and the ladies had to love it. And then, and then Les announced on the opening of the show, he said, the personality profile today is going to come to you from the home of the company that makes these men coats. We sent Les Thatcher to North Carolina into the factory. <laughs> and uh, We had him do the profile in the main coat factory in North Carolina. So uh, then he announced Harley Race uh, had sent in an interview he was going to be on later in the show and that there was going to be six single matches on the show. Instead of the normal four-match TV format, we we're going to add two extra matches because this is about the tournament. And uh, so we had wrestling on TV on this show, The Great Malenko. Rob was wrestling on this one. Joe Duke wrestled on this one. Australian Bill Dundee wrestled on it. Bob Roop and Kevin Sullivan. And, uh, and then all of them interviewed on the show, plus nine more wrestlers from the tournament ended during the course of the show, interviewed. And then Harley Race's his tape was an interview, basically, about I don't care who wins. I'm the baddest man on God's green earth, and it don't make no difference who wins the tournament. you know. So the personality profile, uh, that's what really sold the whole deal, man, the, the mink was the deal. And it was, uh, it was five glorious minutes, man. in the mink coat factory in North Carolina with Les Thatcher and this lady that was going to model it, uh, on Thursday night when that first night came and present it to the winner on Friday night, uh, the next night, uh, when the tournament was over.
0: Wow. All right. So knowing you with all that exposure for the mink coat company, you probably got a really good deal on it. I wouldn't doubt that at all. <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot of women. We're making plans for the next Thursday night, but I got to ask really quickly Did you put it on at least once, Stud?
1: Oh, I don't know, man. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, gosh, no. I, I, I had no, I, I, I was just really, but I was blown away by how beautiful was. <laughs> was i'll tell you that it was just really really gorgeous and uh <laughs> you know when rob and i talked about this and we just kind of they, they kind of, the thought flew out you know oh how about a mink coat give away a mink coat uh but <laughs> once i saw this coat i was like wow man i didn't have any idea we're giving away something that's absolutely gorgeous it was yeah. a beautiful beautiful thing so wow. uh no, it, it was really, it, it, this was, this thing blew my me and my brother's minds, minds. I mean, we had no idea uh, how this, how great this thing turned out to be. So, uh, so no, you know me, man, Dave, I didn't pay, I certainly didn't pay full price for the coat, I can tell you that. But, you know, obviously, Dave, uh, that coat company, the mink coat company had, mm. think about the exposure they got.
0: Oh, no, no doubt.
1: Wow. They yeah. had 11,000 people. They had almost yeah. uh, almost 12,000 people yeah. uh, saw this coat. And how many saw it on TV? <laughs> sure. Right? sure. And their factory. We showed them, pull, you know, our, our cameraman went from Knoxville with Les, and they, they showed them pulling up in front of this big, beautiful building. And it was like, they've got a ton of advertising. For it. So, no, I didn't yeah. pay full price for the coat date, you know. and uh, <laughs> But uh, I was also open, man, that the ladies at home, though, were moving a little closer to their TV sets while this show was going on and, and making their plans for the following Thursday night.
0: Yeah, I bet they were. All right, so what happened in the matches on the first night of the tournament?
1: So Les Thatcher uh, beat Gorgeous George Jr. in the first, first match. Uh, Rip Smith uh, won over Rick Connors. Kevin Sullivan, uh, down to Bill Dundee uh, from the Memphis side of the state. Uh, Dennis Condry got the best of Ron Slinker. Uh, Bob Roop won against Jimmy Golden. Phil Hickerson beat Jack Welch. Roy Lee, my cousins, uh, and the guy that's uh, helping me run southeastern Gulf Coast at this point, his brother. uh, Joel Duke came from Canada, and and he beat Eddie Mansfield. Uh, Robert Fuller. My brother and Mass Jaw Jacker, their match was stopped. Man, they both were disqualified. It was called a no contest. Neither man in, advanced in the tournament. They mm-hmm. were both out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronnie Garvin won over the Great Malenko, and I got beat by the Mongolian Stomper with the uh, with the Mass Jaw Jacker's help. <laughs> so you know. So and then at the end of the night, uh, nine ladies were still on the front row. You know, they were still nine wrestlers left in the tournament. And, uh, that was going to get in. They were all going to get in free the next night, Mm -hmm. go back and sit on the front row again in their spots, bring their banners, wear their banners again. And, uh, their chances of winning that mink coat were still alive.
0: (laughs) That's a fun night for those ladies though. I mean, even though some were eliminated, all right, but all of them, had a great time. You know that. So before we move on to the Friday night card, what about the attendance on that Thursday
1: night? Well, it sold out, Dave. Man, I mean, wow. turn them away again, my gosh. <laughs> on a Thursday night, it was one of the few Coliseum sports events ever to sell over 5,000 seats on a weeknight. Wow. In the, in the history of the building. Uh, 5,800 fans were inside the building. And, uh, you know, there again, I don't know how many didn't get in, Uh, you know, and gosh, that building seemed like it was three quarters women. Wow. It was like, wow, they (laughs) were just, it was amazing.
0: That's tremendous. All right. So what about the card? Friday night, September 1st, 1978.
1: Well, pairings were drawn in the dressing rooms for round two of the tournament that's the first thing that happened for the wrestlers they went in and they put the names in the hat they pulled the names out of that the nine ladies who still had the winning wrestlers uh they were sitting down there in the front row man they were all fired up and uh every time there was a there was a match the two ladies what we they kept doing to put the two ladies sitting right next to them that their wrestlers were in the ring together And, wow, that just – it was just like the first night, man. You know, everybody was into watching the front row as much as the match so much and times, it seemed. And uh, so their chances got better, obviously. Every time they had their wrestler win, they got closer to getting this main coat. So then the Mongolian Stomper, uh, he drew for the next round of the tournament. Uh, He drew the name of Joel Duke. Uh, wow, and it, it, those guys that had all those classic matches for years there. And Joe had been in Canada for quite a bit at this time. And uh, and then Stomper won, he advanced on into the third round. Dennis Condry uh, was wrestling against, he drew Les Thatcher, and he beat Les Thatcher, and he went into the third round. Bob Roop uh, drew Rip Smith's name, and he beat Rip Smith in advance. Phil Hickerson drew Ronnie Garvin's name, and uh, Hickerson wasn't as lucky as. His, partner, Garvin advanced into the third round and uh, Kevin Sullivan drew by, which means he automatically got into the third round without having to beat somebody because mm-hmm. there's an odd number of people. Now there's nine people left in the tournament and uh, that, that changed it so that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you had a guy that's going to get a bye in all these rounds down to the end of it. So then we had two non-tournament matches on this card. Uh, and we used the guys that had lost the first night. So Jimmy Golden paired up with Ron Slinker and he took on gorgeous George Jr. And Eddie Mansfield after these first four elimination matches. Hmm. Uh, then we had it through in a tag match from people from there that had lost the night before. And then uh, Golden and Slinker won that tag match. Then the third round of the tournament started. Dennis Condry, uh, Again, we took a hat dressing room. Condry uh, drew Ronnie Garvin. He lost. Garvin went into the finals. Bob Root drew Kevin Sullivan. And both those guys got disqualified, just like Rob and the masked jaw jacker had. And uh, they were both eliminated from the tournament. And uh, because uh, the Mongolian stomper had drawn a bye, uh, he got into the finals. Hmm. So Ronnie Garvin was going to meet the Mongolian Stomper for the opportunity to get the shot at Harley Race three weeks later. But before that, Rob and I, we wrestled the masked jaw jacker and the great Malenko in a tag match. (laughs) And uh, so, and we won that match. So, uh, wow, I mean, you know, these the, what an entertaining night they're getting, man. They're getting all these, uh, these this, the, the rest of the finals of the tournament, and then they got the two tag matches thrown in there that they didn't even expect to get. We couldn't advertise the Friday night card because we didn't know who was going to win Thursday, right? So, so uh, mm-hmm. we'd piece together. This had come together as a tremendous card for Friday night, too. Mm. So, the ninth and final match of the tournament – had just two ladies left on the front row, right? And uh, when that match started, they were sitting there side by side. And uh, by the time that match got 10 minutes in, they were both on their feet. By the time it got to the end, they were both almost in the ring. They were at ringside standing by the ring, both these ladies, looking at each other like, wow, who's going to get this coat? And then uh, Ronnie Garvin got the win. And uh, he was going to meet uh, Harley Race on September the 22nd in that same Coliseum for the NWA World Championship. <laughs> and the lady that had chosen Garvin, she was totally exhausted. <laughs> the one that won the main. She was so exhausted she could hardly stand up out there. So Ronnie had wrestled three matches that night uh, to get to, to the win. And uh, he, had, he got out of the ring and he hugged her. And he raised her hand like she had won the match, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and she had helped him. I mean, she, had been, she had worked out there, man. She was just going crazy. You got to win this. And then the crowd popped, man, he, he helped her to get up in the ring. And then the lady, he was down there. She had the mink on, she got in the ring and Ronnie Garvin took the mink from the lady and, uh, and he put it on the winner. And, uh, she got a, and he raised her hand again, and wow, she got a bigger hand as Ronnie got winning the belt. It was unbelievable. Wow. Every fan in the building was still there; nobody left.
0: Wow, that is awesome. So, I mean, that's got to be one of the coolest stories yet. I've never heard of a promotion. I don't think there's ever been a promotion like this, and certainly not in wrestling. So, what else did you learn about the lady, the the young lady that won the main coat?
1: Well, you know. I, I remember asking questions about, you know, who, who was the, who was the lady wouldn't get some information about her and uh, Les less her down, I guess, before she was out of the building. Mm-hmm. And I, all I remember from the, from it is that she was from Georgia. She right. was not even from Tennessee Oh. and she was visiting somebody in Knoxville and they talked her into going down to the event. <laughs> Wow. May, this is crazy, man. Yeah. And so she certainly had a heck of a story to tell when she got back to Georgia, man, uh-huh. and she had a beautiful mink coat to prove what happened.
0: No doubt. All right. So wow. what about attendance for that Friday night? Had to be a really good night.
1: Another sellout. Whoa. <laughs> Another sellout, man. It didn't get, it was 50 fans less, according to the count, but it was hmm. 5,750 people and the night before was 5,800.
0: Wow. Okay. So, Wow! So you you should fire your counter. I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I, I wish th- we hadn't th- had counter. Th- had <laughs> I wish we hadn't had any. I wish we'd had a building twice as big.
0: All right. I think you said earlier you would add up the total attendance for both territories on that same Thursday, August thirty first, and Friday, September first, nineteen
1: seventy eight night. Uh, that's correct. I certainly did. Uh, so in southeastern Gulf Coast, uh, we wrestled Thursday night, uh, the same night that that tournament started in Panama City. We had 2,700 people in Panama City that night. Uh, and then the next night on Friday, where the tournament finished in Knoxville, we were wrestling in Dothan. We had 4,750 fans on a Friday night there. Uh so, we had a, a total of 11,550 fans in Knoxville in two days, in two nights. Uh, and then we had, uh, uh, and when we added in that total from uh, Dothan and mm-hmm. Panama City, in those two nights, Southeastern territories, both territories combined, we had 19,000 fans see wrestling in two nights. Wow. Uh, wow. So, uh, one match in Florida, one match in Alabama and two matches in the same city in tennessee wow and i think i also said at the beginning of this that uh, i was going to add up the total attendance for both the territories for the entire week and uh and give everybody the gross figure uh and you know and said and let everybody know kind of how the summer of 78 ended So obviously I did the math before we started this stud cast. I mean, I couldn't have sat here and figured this all out, but Mm. I I had the houses and all that. So, so we had just under 44,000 fans that week, uh, last week in the summer of 1978. Wow! Uh, We had an average ticket price of $4 a seat back in those days. So you take those 44,000 fans and uh, you multiply them by the $4 a seat. Uh, We did $176,000 in seven days during that last week of uh, 1978 uh, (laughs) with both companies combined. So with that, the addition of southeastern Gulf Coast uh, only six months earlier, add that to the original Knoxville territory, Basically, Dave, we had put ourselves in that, and in, instead of being the, the best small territory in the world, we had basically become a big territory.
0: Oh, no doubt. Wow. Hey, listen, this has been a tremendous ride today, Stud. I'm telling you that the, without a doubt. So with this event, your creativity in the sport took a huge leap, in my opinion, especially in the day, because obviously you just came up with something out of nothing. So did you do any more of these interactive type events, mink coats or other expensive prizes for fans, that, that kind of thing?
1: Well, I did, we did several of them in the 1980s. Uh, in fact, uh, we, we did, we did one in almost every major market that we ran in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them were, were with mink coats of, as the prizes, but, uh, you know, because we realized, man, catering to ladies had a tremendous effect on our growth as a company. I mean, we were doing bigger business after we had this uh, than we had ever done before it was a it was a great concept, it was a great idea, and uh yeah, we had a few more of them, uh, We tried to have at least one mm-hmm. in every market uh, before before we closed down that company
0: wow and and the the fans had to love that. listen, I didn't think that. We were going to get this far today, Ron, especially after the stuff you told us we're at the beginning of the studcast, some of the stuff you told us we were going to be hearing about today. You did an an incredible job of explaining a unique event that really broadened the appeal on the sport, and that had to be fun for the fans, everybody involved, to be interactive that, that way. And listen, we're completely out of time. We thought we might have time to be able to get a learning tree question in. That's not going to happen this week. And so hopefully we'll resume and get some interaction with you. And we'll pick up on that next week. Listen on Facebook. The Ron Fuller Welch Facebook page is full of friends. No more can be added to that page to become friends with Ron. You can go to his Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud Facebook page, like him, follow him there, and you automatically become friends with a legend. On Twitter, follow him at Ron Fuller Welch. The website tnstud.com that's the website tnstud.com for Ron Fuller Welch it's got everything everything, great videos, photo gallery every stud cast ever done ever done Forty-three, hour super stud cast 43 3 hour super stud cast only $2.99 each they're all there you shop the stud store you find all kind of souvenirs personally autographed photos, t-shirts and the thrilling lion novel called Brutus. Southeastern Rewind, you find that on YouTube. That's a great place to find up-to-date info on Ron's fantastic streaming channel at ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. Five more original Southeastern TV shows are now there, and 48 in all, 23 continental TV shows, 23 USA TV shows, 39 stud stories, five stars of the sport four superstars of the past and so much more well over 153 hours now of old school wrestling entertainment. And it is only the beginning. You can subscribe now classic continental wrestling.com only four ninety nine 99 per month or 39 99 per year. It is the best old school streaming site on the planet. Don't miss this special offer right now for a limited time. Get a free one-week trial on ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. Okay, where do we ride next week, Ron?
1: Well, we're headed back, man, into both the territories again. Uh, Knoxville uh, was beginning two weeks in a row without any TV. We talked about that today. But we're still going to put a Coliseum event in there the next Friday night with no TV to promote it. So we're gonna find out next week how strong that Knoxville, Southeastern Knoxville territory was. And we're also gonna go even further into what was happening to Tennessee promotions. Uh, The things that we've been talking about lately about uh, that affected us in 1979 when the war, the Knoxville wrestling war gets started. Uh, We're gonna be returning to Southeastern Gulf Coast for the strongest card yet that we had run down there. Uh, We're going to have on that card down there, the Mongolian Stomper. Robert's going to be on the card. Uh, It's going to be the biggest crowd in Mobile since the territory opened up. And we're going to cover the TV that promoted that card. Uh, We're going to get the results of the card and the record attendance. And and just to gauge our growth, we're going to also take a look at the upcoming arrival of Harley Race in 1978. Uh, Because we have two territories now we're going to get a record number of nights in a row with Harley Race to defend his title, uh, all provided to us uh, compliments of Sam Muchnick, the president of the National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, So, uh, and if we have enough time, uh, uh, hopefully we're going to get to a learning tree again next week. So, and I want to thank all the listeners out there, uh, which is, uh, you know, Uh, which we are just constantly growing here, Dave, it's unbelievable. Really, really appreciate everybody's uh, support. Uh, Please tell your friends and neighbors about us, Uh, take care of yourselves and others and may God bless us all.
0: Always so much fun, Ron for Ron Fuller in the great smoky mountains. I'm David summer saying thank you for listening. Find me at David summers, productions at gmail.com. This studcast is a David summers production for Tennessee Stud, LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One,
1: two, three.
0: This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.